This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. Welcome. In this week's podcast, the first Sunday of Advent 2023, we consider the prophetic warning of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark chapter 13, where Jesus not only forecasts dark days ahead, but also gives us the clue on how to navigate through those dark days ahead. This week begins uh, in the life of the Christian church, what uh, we call Advent. And Advent is a uh, word derived from the Latin as Adventus, which is a translation of the Greek word perusia, which is a, a very mysterious and very important Greek word in the Bible, perusia. And it means uh, the coming or the beholding. It, uh, there's a lot of context to this word perusia. And this season begins the actual beginning of the church year. So in many Christian circles, Protestant and Catholic and Orthodox, this is the actual beginning of the church year, this first Sunday of Advent. And the first few Sundays of this season are really focused, at least certainly since the Middle Ages, on what has been called the second coming of Christ. Not Christmas, sort of the last week of Advent caves into, all right, let's get ready for Christmas. But the first two or three weeks are about what is referred to as the second coming, and that's why the reading that Connie gave to us this morning from our lectionary is about this uh, idea of the second coming. But we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, we have Advent candles, and there is a history with the candles. The four uh, colored candles represent the first week, which was lit, to, lit today by the Warner family, is the candle that represents hope. And then the second candle that we'll light next week represents peace. The third blue candle will light the following week on the 17th when you're bringing all your money for all the things we're raising money for. That'll be for joy. And then the pink candle will light on Christmas Eve, the last Sunday of Advent, and that is about love. And then on Christmas Day, if we were gathering, we'd light the white Christ candle in the middle. So that's sort of the history of the candles. So this week is all about hope. I found a beautiful quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who said, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. And that's really what the first several weeks of Advent are about, the hope for a better world, a better a better way to relate to each other and to God. So it is considered a very hopeful season as opposed to Lent, which is more of a reflective and repentant season. The season of Advent is about hope and looking forward. So that brings us to the uh, text that we have today. And uh, so a couple of words I'd like to say uh, in preamble to diving into this text from the Gospel of St. Mark. 
when folks join our church, we have a little one-on-one -on -one time. They have to endure that before we let them in. They have to spend an hour or so with me going over why, this, why we do what we do. Deanne's shaking her head. That's a, a bar way too high, but anyway. <laughs> One of the things I communicate in that time is in our denomination, the United Church of Christ, and in this church in particular, we take the scriptures very seriously, but not literally. So that's sort of a slogan we use denominationally and here. We take the scriptures seriously, but not literally. And so what do we mean by that? Uh, so for me, here's, here's the way I wrestle with this stuff. I've spent a good portion of my life, well over 50 years, studying these ancient texts that we find in the Bible. And I have read and researched a lot of stuff. And I've come to see that the people that compiled these texts in about that 800-year period or so, 800 years or 700 years before the birth of Jesus and then about 100 years after, in that period of time when these texts were assembled, it was not the thought of any writers of the day to write things literally. That was just a way of thinking that was foreign to them. No, they, they wanted to write truth, but facts were really not that important in the writing of truth. They wanted to write truthful things, and facts could be used or manipulated or massaged to fit the truth. And so a literal writing was not even in the minds of the people that put these texts together. So that's one thing. And then I've read, there's a good number of scholars, particularly if you've ever heard the Jesus Seminar. I know there are some folks in our congregation that really abide by the, the discoveries and the, the teachings of the Jesus Seminar. And they would say that, like the words we got today in our gospel reading from Mark, Jesus really never said those. Those were words that the followers of Jesus 30 or 40, 50 years after Jesus died, put in the mouth of Jesus to communicate important truths to the people coming to the church then. So it really wasn't Jesus that said that. These early Christians put these words in the mouth of Jesus to give them importance. So that's, if, if they're to be believed, there's one way to read these words. Uh, so where I'm at, so I'll just be as honest as I know how to be. Look, you can follow what I'm trying to say or not, but as someone that has, I can look at you in the eye and say, honestly, for well over 50 years, I have tried to follow Jesus to the best of my ability. I've really practiced and worked hard at trying to be a Christian, a good Christian. And so how do I wrestle with these words, with this text? How do I... Because for my money, these are the words we got. Whether Jesus actually said them or somebody put them in his mouth later, I don't know, I wasn't there. But these are the words I got. And so I'm trying to wrestle with this as honestly as I can to try to follow and live in a way that I believe Jesus wants me to live and behave. So what I'll share with you is some of my thoughts. Now, 
So I told you what the Jesus seminar <clears throat> scholars would say about these words. And then <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I referenced for you uh, uh, these words that we have can also be read uh, in a different light and uh, particularly deeply influenced by a man named John Nelson Darby in uh, the middle of the 19th century. He was uh, born in England, but ministered mostly in uh, Ireland and was a Plymouth Brethren minister. And he developed or invented this whole rapture idea and the second coming that is really popular in our culture. If you've seen the Left Behind movies or you've heard that stuff and people are waiting for the second coming of Jesus to arrive on the clouds and to help all those that trust him and love him to escape before all hell breaks loose in the tribulation and there's suffering all over the world. All of that was really invented by John Nelson Darby. Then it became really popular by a, an American named Cyrus Schofield who reinterpreted the Bible with a lot of these ideas. And so if you've ever seen a Schofield Bible, this has a lot of these rapture ideas highlighted for it. And that was at the beginning of the 20th century, about 1909 that came out. And then uh, later in the 20th century, a, a, a Pentecostal guy named Finnis Dake did his take on all of this stuff. So these guys, Darby, uh, Schofield, and Dake have had a massive influence in our culture on taking this whole idea of the second coming and the rapture and waiting for the last days where Jesus will come and the elect will escape all this terrible stuff. It has permeated the whole landscape of where you and I live. Now that's one way to read these things. I don't, personally. I think it's somewhat of a first world escapist mentality. We're privileged, keep us privileged, and don't let us go through hard times, which seems to be contrary to so much of the Bible when people went through a lot of hard times. But anyway, so that's, so whether you believe these guys, you believe me, you believe, what I'm suggesting is we each in our own hearts have to come to terms with these words as they're given to us, however you do that. And so I will share with you very humbly how I come to terms with these words, trying to implement them and make sense in the life I'm living in 2023 in Ashland, Oregon, as one who is sincerely and honestly trying to follow Jesus to the best of my ability. So that's all this. So all of that is a caveat. You can do what you want with. But the thing I would like to impress with you, it's important, I think, that each of us comes to terms in our own heart with how we will hear these words and what they will uh, encourage us to do and how to live. So with that as the preamble and the caveat, let's look at these words. I would begin by stating it is my belief very much that Jesus was very much in the line of the Jewish prophets and of that whole lineage of, of, of uh, literature and proclamation. Jesus is right in with all of that. And one of the people that's helped me understand Hebrew prophets very much is a guy, a rabbi named 
Abraham Joshua Heschel. And Heschel has written that the prophet, the prophet is a man or a woman who feels fiercely God has thrust a burden on their souls and God is bowed and stunned by humanity's greed. Frightful is the agony of mankind and no human voice can convey its full terror. And we just look at what's going on in the news and we see it before our very eyes. So Heschel says prophecy is the voice that God has lent to the silent agony, a voice to the plundered poor, to the profound riches of the world. It is a form of living, a crossing point of God and mankind. God is raging in the prophet's words, which I find very helpful. And I think that is the motivation. Whatever it was Jesus said, that is, he sees what's going on in the world, and he, and he sees the world that God would have us live, and the dichotomy between the two is maddening. And so in line with the prophet's words, we have this, you know, in those days following this distress, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its lights, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. That's a prophetic way of saying, it's gonna get really bad. It's gonna be a disaster. Now, it has been so helpful for me to read recent scholarship that has suggested, and I buy into this very much, that Jesus is not talking about the end of the space-time continuum. He's not talking about the end of the world as we know it. He is foreseeing the destruction of his nation at the time, at the hands of the Romans, who in 66 AD did come and totally wipe out the Jewish nation, decimated it. It was horrific. And it is my belief that Jesus foresaw the behavior of his country people and knowing that the Romans aren't going to put up with this craziness forever, they're going to come and squash us like a bug, which they did. And I think that's why Jesus says, that this generation will not pass away without seeing this stuff. It's going to happen. And it did happen in that generation's lifetime. And so as I try to decode these words, and what do they mean for me? I think what I hear in these words of Jesus is not to allow the fear of all the awful things that are going to happen to distract me from the most important job of living the way he said to live by loving God and loving the people in my world. To not get so frightened by wars and rumors of wars, of famines and pestilence and earthquakes and fires, that it distracts me from the very most important job of loving God and loving you, of being in this together, of helping each other. There's the great line I love of T.S. Eliot in the Four Quartets, who says we are so often distracted from distraction by distractions. <laughs> and not to allow the news and the fear and the stock market could crash and this is gonna happen and the election's coming next year and what's gonna happen, to not allow that to get my eyes 
off of the most important stuff of trying to love the Creator and love you as best I can. And so, so when I hear these words, but watch, be mindful, it's so that when the end of my days come, whether Jesus returns before that or not, that I will have been found doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That I will be doing what makes Jesus happy. That I will be following his teaching and loving the creator and loving you and loving the people that are my neighbors. That I won't let fear choke that out of me. That's what I hear from these words. You know, sometimes when you take a test, it's a really good thing. Sometimes you get 100. And that's like really good. So tests aren't always bad. So if we can go through this, staying steadfast to the loving of God as we understand God, the loving of each other, then regardless of what happens in the future time and space continuum, that's what I hear about be mindful, be alert, be watching. Keep doing what I've told you to do, regardless of how comfortable it is or how frightened you may be. Don't stop. Mindfully live in such a way that we are together with the spirit of the risen Christ working to make a better planet, a better life for other human beings. That we are working to participate in the coming realm of our God who wants us to love each other, live together in harmony, and get along. That's how I read these words. Now, whether I'm right or I could be just as crazy as Darby, Schofield, and Dake. I don't know. But that's how I'm trying to live these words out and implement them in my own life. And I humbly offer them to you. And as we begin Advent season together, this journey for the next four weeks, the theme that has come to me is this God that we try to describe and, and follow and love seems to me from the scriptures that we have, these ancient texts, is the God who initiates. It's God who comes. It's God, and, and we'll hear this next week, the voice in the wilderness. It's God who wants to be with us through the difficulties of this life. For so much of my life, I thought, you know, I was a seeker of God, and then I got found somehow only to find out that it was God seeking me all the time. It wasn't me seeking God. So any desire we have to walk with this being, this other one, initiates from God. And these stories that we'll hear for the next few weeks for me are all about God's initiation to come and find us because God loves us.